Welcome to Daily Living. My name is Shirley, and here on Daily Living, we focus on our daily walk with Christ. I may sometimes refer to myself or others as an FOC, which simply means a follower of Christ. And if you want to go a little bit deeper, it means that I strive to live my life according to the Holy Spirit's teaching of the scriptures and not by man's doctrine. So if you are a babe in Christ or you're a Christian and you yearn to have a deeper a more personal relationship with God. Or maybe you're a Christian, but you've lost your way and you want to get back to the Father. Maybe you're not a Christian at all, but you feel empty on the inside. You're looking for something and everything that you've tried has given you a temporary solution. If that's you, then you are in the right place. I pray that God uses me as a vessel to lead you to Jesus Christ. Amen. The stress of life is an all too common feeling that if it lasts for a long period of time can be detrimental to our health, our mental, and our physical being. Yet many of us live with a constant stress in our everyday lives. And when it comes to our jobs, managing our families and the day-to-day stress that just always seem to appear at the worst possible time. We all struggle with stress in one way or another. As a result, many people have been in search for ways to relieve their stress and promote peace in all kinds of practices that have been made available to us. Many are in search of something more to life 
than their day-to-day lives. They wonder there has to be more. They are looking for hope. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the practice, the ancient practice of yoga, its origin, the true meaning behind the practice, and whether or not followers of Christ should follow such practices. With the stress rising in our daily lives, one of the many practices that people have turned to is yoga. Yoga, which means union, is an ancient practice that is said to bring together the mind and the body. It incorporates breathing exercises, meditation, and the belief that the poses encourage relaxation and reduces stress. One of the many things that a yoga teacher or instructor will teach is that the pose or the postures help to encourage relaxation and to reduce stress. Practicing yoga is said to come with many benefits for both mental and physical health. And here are a list of benefits that I was able to find online. It can decrease stress, relieve anxiety, it may reduce inflammation, it could improve heart health, improves quality of life, may fight depression, could reduce chronic pain, improve flexibility and balance, just to name a few. But one of the questions that I have is, where did yoga originate from? The Webster Dictionary defines yoga 
as a Hindu theistic meaning relating to the existence of God or gods, which is a teaching that teaches the suppression of all activity of body, mind, and will in order that the self may realize its distinction from them and attain liberation. So before we even dive deeper into what yoga really means or where it originates from, we learn that it is a Hindu practice. Let's look at some of the Hinduism beliefs. I'm going to state a few belief systems that I thought were interesting. Most forms of Hinduism are henotheistic, which means they worship a single deity known as Brahman, but still recognizes other gods and goddesses. Followers believe that there are multiple paths to reaching their gods. Does that sound familiar for some of you? The New Age movement right now believes that there are multiple paths to God. But the Bible teaches us that there's one way. There's one door. And that door is called Jesus Christ. Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 reads, You shall not have no other God before me. This is the first commandment. The second belief, the second Hinduism belief, is the, the Vedas, that is the ultimate authority. The Vedas are Hindu scriptures that is said to contain revelations received by ancient saints. The Hindus they believe that their scriptures are without beginning and without end. When everything else in the universe is destroyed, at the end of a cycle of time, they believe that their scriptures will remain. Revelations chapter 1 
verses 8 reads, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, said the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Second Timothy chapters 3 verses 16 through 17 reads, All scripture is God's breath and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good news, every good work. Hindus also believe in the doctrine of samsara, which is the continuous cycle of life, death, and reincarnation in karma, the universal law of cause and effect. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 reads, Just as people are destined to die once, after that to face judgment. Another belief is the individual souls, is that individual souls are immortal. A Hindu belief that the individual soul, also known as Atman, is neither created nor destroyed. It has been it is and it will be. They also believe that they are all part of Supreme Soul. Actions of the soul while residing in a body require that it reap the consequences of those actions in the next life. So it's the same soul in a different body. But the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7, that the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
and the man became a living being. The goal of the individual soul is called moksha, which is liberation. The soul's release from the cycle of life and death and rebirth. and occurs when the soul unites with their God by realizing its true nature. We said before that they have many paths that can lead to this realization, this unity. The path of duty, path of knowledge, path of devotion, which is an unconditional surrender to God. A human being must acquire self-knowledge, also known as that, also known as Atman, which is to realize that one true self is identical with the transcendent self, Brahman. But the Bible teaches us in Galatians 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. So the Bible doesn't want us to focus on ourselves. Rather, it asks us to die of ourselves and allow Christ to live in us. There's another scripture that says, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. Everyone in the Hindu religion and belief system believe that they should strive to achieve Dharma. Unfortunately, the single English word, um, it's hard to describe it exactly, but to give you an understanding, it is anyone who makes Dharma central to one's life, to strive to do the right thing according to one's ability at all times. It can be described as right conduct, righteousness, moral law, and duty. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 9 reads, For by grace 
you have been saved through faith and that and not of yourselves it is the gift of God not as a result of works so that no man can boast in Galatians chapter 2 verse 21 reads I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law then Christ died needlessly Hindu also revered all living creatures and considered the cow as a sacred animal. But John chapter 1 verse 29 reads, The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. Glory be to the Most High God. Most Hindu texts discuss yoga as a practice to control the senses and ultimately the mind. There are four different types of yoga that all are used as paths to achieve the moksha, the ultimate goal according to Hindu understanding. So what we've learned is that just the meaning of yoga alone means union to their God, which is a Hindu concept of God. And it means union because you are yoking yourself to those spirits. What do all the different position and postures mean? There are as many postures as there are living creatures. Here is what one of the yoga websites had to say about the postures. While many of the yoga postures we see today are influenced by nature, inspired by trees, the moon, or even birds, there are also postures which depict the deities revered in yogic and Hindu culture as a way of connecting to
to revering and praying, paying respect to deities, many yoga postures represent not just what the deities looks like, but also everything they stand for. As we practice the posture, we put our focus on the energy and the essence of the deity and look to embody their qualities. Hand postures and positions are named after deities and meant to invoke the properties and character of these deities. The chants are speaking the name of deities. If you have ever attended a yoga class, you know that the warm-up is usually the sun salutation, which is to worship the sun god. This is why Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 4 reads, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way. So when you're using these postures, even if you decide that you're not going to do the chance, but the postures alone is worshiping a different God. We are called to worship God in one way and not in the way that the world worship, not the way that the pagans worship their God. So you see, it's very difficult to practice yoga and not give reverence to their gods. Let's look at what the overall goal of yoga. When yoga is practiced correctly, you will reach a state of consciousness where you believe you are God. Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 2 reads, Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a mere mortal and not a God, though you think 
You are wise as a God. So the very first goal is to believe that you are God. Blasphemy against scripture. The second thing is a state of consciousness where your spirit can project thoughts where other spirits can project thoughts into you. It's like you've opened yourself up. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 5 tells us, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Brothers and sisters, when we have random thoughts, we have to capture each thought and to make it obedient to Christ. Sometimes the way that you can identify whether it's God speaking to you or not is to put it against scripture because our Holy Father will never contradict himself. The other goal is to take on a pantheism belief system, which is a religious belief that includes the entire universe is in its idea of God. When you follow this type of doctrine, you believe that God is all around us throughout the whole universe. Those are they that, instead of using the word God, they'll say the universe. The universe have allowed this to happen. This and that because of the universe. That key term, universe, is usually a telltale sign of their belief system, the doctrine that they live by. Another goal of yoga, which is a different branch of yoga, is the awakening of the Kundalini spirit. This is a serpent-like spirit that is believed to, is a, to be a form of divine energy and believed to be located in the base of the spine. The Kundalini spirit is an antichrist spiritual counterfeit of our Holy Spirit. Sadly, there are manifestations, there's been infiltration 
in some Christian gatherings believing that they have the Holy Spirit, but in terms, but in turn have a Kundalini spirit. But when you go and you look at the manifestation of that spirit, you realize that it's not scriptural. A few of these manifestations is uncontrollable laughter. involuntary jerking and shaking, drunkenness where the person appears to be drunk, transfer of power. Brothers and sisters, this is the reason why it's important to have discernment on who you allow to lay hands on you because that spirit can be transferred by the laying of the hands. And it can also be manifested like an invisible force. There are some videos out there where a person will just wave their hands at the crowd and the entire crowd will just fall over. That's an invisible force. It's not scriptural. It's demonic. What a lot of these people do also is they perform a yoga dance that helps the kundalini spirit to rise from chakra to chakra, causing various levels of self-realization while they are obtaining and releasing various spiritual power known as Siddhis. This is one of their ultimate goals of practicing yoga. These Siddhis powers include physical healing, clairvoyance, levitation, magic, spiritual experiences, and powers for the control of self, others, and the force of nature. The yoga dance progress until resulting in a union with the self-divine. That is the goal of yoga.
Let me make something clear, my brothers and sisters. If the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, is not in you, then you can only access these abilities through false light, through darkness, through the aid of the enemy, the devil. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 10 reads, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery or interprets omens, engages in witchcraft. It is an abomination unto the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 14 reads, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Ephesians 5 verse 11 reads, Take no part in the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather expose them. Now that we've have a better understanding of the origin of yoga, what the postures and the positions mean, and the overall goal of yoga. And we've had a chance to place this belief system against the scriptures. Let me ask you a question. Can a follower of Christ practice yoga? No, absolutely not. Yoga is a demonic teaching that is sweeping the country. It teaches its students that you are God. You can discover your true self through various methods of using energy crystals, meditation, breathing exercises, chanting, and certain dances. We can clearly see that the practice of yoga by definition is a spiritual practice and anyone who practice yoga is opening themselves 
to other spirits. Yoga is conditioning a new generation in becoming acceptable, offered as a mean of weight loss, mental clarity, physical fitness, in a harmless path to inner peace and harmony. Yoga teaches us that we can be God, but man is not and can never be God, nor can man save himself. All of these teachings are blasphemy. It is contrary to what scripture tells us. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gifts of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God to find one's inner God self is finding nothing. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses four reads, for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach. Or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received. Or a different gospel from the one you accepted. You put up with it easily enough. So we see that all of this is contrary, it's blasphemy according to the word of God, according to the breath of God. So if you found yourself if you found yourself to have practiced yoga in the past or you're practicing yoga now, repent. Repent now. Ask God for forgiveness and ask him to deliver you from whatever demonic doors that was open during that time to close those doors and seal them shut by the blood of Jesus. Even the very positions 
are worshiping other gods. One of the most common themes among the New Age teachers is to focus on self when the scripture tells us to die to ourselves. Yoga tells us to believe in the practice of transcending to a higher state of being or consciousness through many different steps which then will yoke you to their God who they believe is the absolute one. But the word of God in Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6 tells us trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight if we submit ourselves our wills to God you will see that this higher state or being of consciousness is nothing but you leaning on your own understanding. Trust the Lord. Trust the process. And know and understand that these belief systems cannot be meshed together with true followers of Christ. So if this episode has helped you to open your eyes about yoga, and you understand that you were rebellious against God, you blasphemed against God, believing that you were God, yoking yourself to other spirits, and you humbly come to the Lord and ask Him for forgiveness, and you repent of your sins and you realize that you want to be full and complete you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior or maybe you want to recommit to the Father why don't you say this prayer with me? Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and 
and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that he was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is alive today. I choose to follow, obey, and accept your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that this episode was able to bless you as it blessed me. Until next time, beloved.